welcome to the award-winning show, Holding Down the Fort by U.S. Vet Wealth. We returned for season six to answer the biggest question for a career military families. So when are we going to get out? And everything involved with answering this question. I'm Jen Amos, creator and co-host of Holding Down the Fort and a Gold Star family member and veteran spouse. And I'm Jenny Lynn Stroop, co-host and chief shower-upper here on Holding Down the Fort. Together, we will converse with special guests from and for our military community to share knowledge and resources and relevant stories on how we can best hold down the fort while on active duty, going through transition, and into post-military life. Now, let's get into the show. I don't know who she is, but she's a military spouse. I have a sister here, and so I'm going to stand next to her. A quote by Pamela Bellotto. Despite where we come from, Pamela Bellotto believes that, in some capacity, we are all living similar lives. Her worldview, from being raised in Canada, to living in Kuwait, to moving to the United States in 2016, and many life experiences have now led her to advocating for women from all backgrounds through her nonprofit, Women Who Do Wonders. Pamela shares how she met her husband, her observation of the Canadian military spouse community versus the American military spouse community, how her experience at JBLM positively shaped her perception of being a military spouse, her current initiatives, the stress of military transition, and much more. Pamela, it was an absolute, absolute pleasure having you on our show. I truly enjoyed our conversation, and I know that our listeners will get a lot out of our conversation as well. Jenny Lynn and I are so excited to announce that we will be attending Disney Institute's Veterans Institute Summit on August 19th to the 20th. Here's a little bit about what to expect at Veterans Institute Summit. Experience Veterans Institute Summit online live from August 19th to 20th with an on-demand video available to registered participants following the event. The Veteran Institute Summit is a complimentary event created to inspire business professionals and organizations utilizing actionable insights from the Walt Disney Company's Heroes Work Here initiative, created to hire, train, and support military veterans and military spouses. Heroes Work Here has resulted in more than 10,000 veterans joining the Walt Disney Company since its launch in 2012. The Veteran Institute Summit is intended to help companies and organizations learn how to build or improve effective veteran hiring initiatives of their own. The summit will include advice and insights from veteran service organizations, firsthand perspectives shared by veterans about their transition to the civilian workforce, and best practices from organizations that have created their own successful programs delivered through keynote presentations, panel discussions, and Disney Institute content. Now, the question here is, who should attend? Well, this is intended for organizations seeking corporate best practices to recruit, hire, support, and retain veterans and military spouses. If you are an individual veteran or military spouse seeking career development and personal support content, check back at a later date. You can visit their website, disneyinstitute.com, for more information, or check out the show notes of this episode for more information about complimentary on-demand content which will be available following the Veterans Institute Summit. Now, if you want to attend, individuals can register to attend online and experience the full presentation via live stream. And once again, and once again, I will go ahead and add that in the show notes should you be interested in registering 
for the live stream. Unfortunately, in-person event registration is limited and is by invitation only, hence why Jenny Lynn and I are extremely humbled to be attending. And we definitely will be giving you all the inside scoop in the upcoming weeks. Otherwise, they do recommend that all guests interested in experiencing the Veterans Institute Summit register to attend online. Once again, if you want to learn more about this, you can go ahead and visit DisneyInstitute.com. I'll go ahead and provide the direct link to this particular event in the show notes. We are extremely excited, extremely humbled to be attending this event. I personally have been chosen as the only non-Disney employee to moderate a panel. So I will be moderating the panel discussion, Military Spouse Employment. And the description of this panel is, studies show service member spouses tend to experience unemployment and underemployment at a significant higher rate than their peers. Begin to think differently about the appearance of resume experience gaps, frequent job changes, and other relevant topics. We have been preparing for this panel for some time now. I've already had a chance to connect with the panelists and I'm excited. I am extremely excited for this opportunity. I'm excited to share it with all of you, host event, and we hope that you'll join us for free online, which again, we'll have that available for you in the show notes. All right, super exciting stuff. And with that said, let's go ahead and dive into our conversation with Pamela Bellato. Enjoy. All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode here at the award-winning podcast show, Holding Down the Fort. I am your creator and co-host, Jen Amos. And as always, I have my incredible co-host, military spouse, mama two boys, mental health advocate, and my local friend, Jenny Lynn Stroop. Jenny Lynn, welcome back to Holding Down the Fort. Hey, so glad to be here today. Yes. And I believe by the time this episode gets out, you and I are going to be prepping to go to Disney World together. (laughs) I'm so excited. I like cannot contain my joy about the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. And I will like mention in the announcements of this episode and the final editing, like what we're going to be doing, where we're going to be going. But yeah, I know that you're ecstatic to actually go to Disney World. I haven't been to Disney World since I was like 18. So I'm going to be following your lead (laughs) in regards to like the places to visit and things to check out. But yeah, it's just uh, really cool how our co-host relationship has really evolved in the last couple of years of being together. And for our listeners, we have some exciting updates in the upcoming episodes. So stay tuned. We're going to, we're still talking about things behind the scenes. Anyway, teaser aside, I don't know, Jenny Lynn, do you have any teasers that you want to kind of wrap up here to leave our listeners guessing? (laughs) I really wish I did. Alas, I'm still in such limbo in most areas of my life. I have nothing to tease out other than we are in fact going to Disney. Yes, 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 yes. You know, I just think in general, like one thing I feel like we learn about the military life is to just be extremely present. It's in and not think too far ahead because I think it causes a lot of stress if we do. Yeah. (laughs) All right. On that note, we are really, really, really excited to be bringing on another incredible guest onto our show today, Pamela Bellato, who is the founder and CEO of Women Who Do Wonders International. So a little bit about Pamela. She is a mom of three boys and military spouse, born and raised in Canada. And she wears a lot of hats. She's an entrepreneur, a master esthetician, nonprofit founder, which we'll be talking about toward the end of our conversation today, skincare developer, magazine creator, event creator, podcaster. And I might ask her about this a little bit later, cleft lip warrior and athlete. So without further ado, Pamela, welcome to Holding Down the Fort. 
Thank you so much, ladies, for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes. And now that I think about it, let me go ahead and open up by asking you about this title you have here, Cleft Lip Warrior. Tell us a little about that because you're going to be the first person to talk about this on our show. Like literally, I don't know anyone else who has ever had this other than you. So please tell us a little bit about this. (laughs) Okay. So a cleft lip is when you're born with either a cleft lip or a cleft palate. So I was born with a cleft lip, which meant my lip was split Mm. And somebody with a palate, the actual palate inside the mouth to the back of the throat can be split. Um, so somebody with a palate would have more um, speech. I don't want to say problems, but their their mm-hmm. speech will be a little bit more difficult. They'll have to have therapy uh, growing up. As for me, it was more cosmetics. Actually, I was kind of lucky because I was uh, six weeks late in my mom's belly. Maybe oh, they wow. made a mistake on the date. I don't know. <laughs> but I went quite a bit past the due date. And yeah, and my lip closed on its own. So definitely, I think they got the months wrong on my mom's. <laughs> this was 1978. So, um, but yeah, when I came out, my lip closed a little bit. So my surgery wasn't as extensive as some children. Um, but right now, I mean, I, I, we could talk a lot about growing up with a cleft lip, but I'm really proud uh, now to sit on the Cleft Advisory Council at Smile Train, which mm. is an amazing organization that does cleft lip work all around the world and mm. creates smiles for babies who wouldn't otherwise have the ability to have those surgeries. So super proud to be a part of that. And I actually got to visit a hospital in Nepal recently and visit one of the sm- Smile Train clinics. So that's oh, my little cool. Smile Train slash cleft lip blurb. I love that. And I do appreciate you sharing that. I know right before we were going to start recording, I didn't mention that I was going to bring this up, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to bring it up. And it's interesting to think that that's where you were at when you were born. And here you are thriving in your 40s now. You just recently turned 44. And I want to read a quote that you shared on the podcast show On Air with Molly Dare, which goes, Pamela is a reminder to all of us that we have it within us to do hard things and reach our true potential. And I think starting from that cleft lip warrior from the very beginning to where you are today, and we'll close the gap in our conversation today so our listeners know a little bit more about your story. I think that, you know, Molly Dare got it right (laughs) to describe you in this way. I love Molly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. For sure. And so with that being said, that is a fun fact that I thought it'd be fun to open up with here. And let's go ahead and learn a little bit more about your story, Pamela. So interestingly enough, you met your husband in Kuwait. And at this time, at the time that you met him, you had already been living in Kuwait for a decade. And it was during the time of the Operation Iraqi Freedom when you had met him. And this was a very interesting time. But you were one of the few Canadians who remained in Kuwait after the evacuation. And you were able to build a shelter in home where you could seek refuge with your one-year-old baby at the time. That sounds wild. Can you tell us that story, that wild story up to the point that you met your husband, (laughs) your your now husband? Yes. So I'm going to go back a little bit. So I actually moved to Kuwait in 2001. I was previously married to somebody that I had met in Canada before my current husband. But I moved there in 2001. I was actually in Kuwait during 9-11. And then time went on. I had a baby. And then 2003 happened. That's when Operation Iraqi Freedom broke out. And I could have left the country and I decided not to because my previous husband didn't want to leave. He had family there. And so I was very young, very stubborn, very, you know, I I wanted to stay. And one, I I didn't want to be separated from my family. They were my Mm -hmm. family. Mm -hmm. Although my family back in Canada thought I was 
bananas for staying in the country and very scared for me. I did contact the Canadian embassy and tell them that I was there with my baby. We had to build a shelter. They recommended because they didn't have gas masks for everybody that we take washcloths, soak them with water, put baking soda and put it over our faces if we were get it, to get attacked by chemical weapons. Oh, so wow. <laughs> it was definitely when I think back, I just sometimes I think I can't believe I stayed because mm -hmm. what if, you know, what if, but luckily there were no what ifs and the time passed. Although, you know, there were many nights where I had to get up because the sirens would go off and I'd get my son out of bed and we'd have to lock ourselves in our shelter, which was a spare bathroom we had in the house, so bathtub filled with water. I had a rug on the floor, made a bed for my son. We seal the door in and listen to the radio until they said it was time to come out. And uh, mm -hmm. so that, I think shaped my my growth. I had to grow up really fast in that moment, but it, we lived through it. We lived through it. It's now a memory, but it definitely was a part of making me a, definitely a strong person. It has shaped the strength that I think I have today, that's for sure. Well, I just I have to quickly I want to quickly <laughs> add that if anyone ever complained about being stuck at home during quarantine, <laughs> they have to hear your story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, quarantine is a little bit different, but yes, it was uh kind of the same feeling, I guess. Yeah. Little, mm -hmm. little bit. Just fascinated by the whole thing. I just want to hear all, all the things. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's, let's fast forward. Cause then you mentioned how I actually met my husband who now I'm, you said I'm a military spouse. So we're, you know, I always say life takes us an amazing journey an amazing journey sometimes. And, but anyway, my previous marriage time passed. Like I said, I was there for nearly a decade at that time. I actually wanted to it was time for me to leave that marriage. There was a lot of reasons why I wanted out. So I had gone back to Canada, took my two boys with me because I had had my second son by then. That was in 2010 and then going into 2011 and then moved back to Canada, learned how to be an entrepreneur, actually started to be an entrepreneur in my kitchen in Kuwait because I used to make soaps and things like that. Went back to Canada, took some night courses on how to be an entrepreneur my kids went, one of my sons went to school, one went to daycare, and I opened up a little brick and mortar. My divorce finalized. And then a couple of years later, my older boy uh, wanted to go and live with his dad. And so that was really hard because the decision I had to make was let him go or keep him with me. And mm. and let him go, I know that would not have been good for me in the long run because one, I don't want to keep him from his dad, right? So good dad, not a good husband. So let my boys go and stay with their dad. That was extremely hard on me. So mm -hmm. I actually closed down my brick and mortar, sold everything I had, sold my car, sold everything I had. And I moved back to Kuwait with a couple suitcases, lived by myself in Kuwait. So when I lived there previously, I was, you know, I had a family, you know, husband lived in a, uh, an apartment. This time around, I went there as a single mom <laughs> living in an apartment and an area of Kuwait that is resided by locals. and. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I started working for a hospital. And then one day on, I was on the seaside having dinner and this man sat next to me because we in Kuwait, foreigners tend to flock to one another and we regroup. And I had some friends who were teachers and they were friends with a couple of pilots that were stationed in Kuwait at the time. So she invited them to come out to dinner and, you know, enjoy the group of the foreigners that we had there. And lo and behold, he was sitting right next to me. So Aww. a couple of years later, I am now in the United States. So I kind of narrowed that story down a little bit <laughs> so we wouldn't take a long time on that. 
but that's how I met my husband. He was uh, in Kuwait, working for the Kuwait embassy. And that's how I met him. So I went from being the spouse on that side of war to now living in the United States. And my husband was flying C-17. So he was then now um, living in, in the United States. He's flying to Kuwait on missions. So it's wow. just, it's, yeah, a little bit bananas, but amazing how it must feel like a very interesting experience to go back and kind of reference like who you were before you came. I kind of consider California my hometown. And if ever, whenever I go back, it's like kind of a surreal feeling. It's like I'm not the same person I was when I had left. And so that's what sort of came to mind for me. I just want to like highlight the fact that you were in your young 30s is what it sounds like when you had your two boys or when you brought your two boys and you started a business. And you know, I'm 34, right? I mentioned this offline. I was, I'm 34, I'm turning 35. I don't have kids yet, but I'm just like, I can just only imagine like what that lifetime ago experience, you know, was like for you. And then of course the hard experience of like kind of letting go and letting your boys like live with their dad, just pretty wild. That, I mean, I, I almost feel like a little speechless here. Uh, Jenny Lynn, I'm, I want to check in with you. Do you have any thoughts? <laughs> oh, I mean, I was thinking, gosh, man, those young thirties really, really shape things. I was thinking earlier offline, it's like, we're all about a half decade apart. Jen, you're 34. I'm 40. Pamela's 44. Like, And I can look back at my early 30s and go, oh, wow. Yep. That definitely defined the things that I do now at 40. Like the whole mental health thing. That was my early 30s. I mean, I do that now because I had to work through it then. And so I just think, man, what an interesting time. Oh, I uh, totally agree. Very interesting time. And even though my story is unique and probably not very similar to most other women that I meet, feelings and mm -hmm. the uh, emotions and everything I went through is no different mm -hmm. than somebody maybe going through their experience in divorce or, you know, having children and separating and doing it's, you know, it's, it's, we're all very similar in that way. And I came to that realization just talking to people. And mm -hmm. I mean, now I'm so grateful and you can relate where mental health is spoken about so freely now and it's refreshing. Um, back then it wasn't, so, I don't even know, did, did people talk about it? I didn't, I didn't know anyone that talked about it mm -hmm. then. I wish they did because mm -hmm. boys, I could have used a lot of the resources that are out there right now at that time. So anyway, we can get on that whole mental health. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, talk. but definitely early 30s definitely shaped me. There is all those experiences from the cleft to, you know, getting married really young to going to Kuwait to divorcing to moving to Canada <laughs> and starting a brick and mortar to then selling all of that, closing everything down, moving back to the Middle East with an unknown. I didn't know mm -hmm. what I was going to do. I didn't know how long I was going to stay there. I didn't know. I just did not know. I said, I'm going to go and see where <laughs> where life brings me. And lo and behold, I was destined. I was destined to be the military mm -hmm. spouse and to be here and to share my experiences. And I think it's it was a blessing for me to be the spouse on the other side and then be able to talk to women about that experience. Mm. A lot of military spouses, I felt, didn't kind of know that side. We know that they there's spouses over there, but I don't know. There's Do we know their stories? Do we know the feelings and the emotions mm -hmm. and that side of mental health? 
they're going through things too. It's a totally different, but so anyway, I feel like maybe there's a purpose there somewhere. There's little cracks here and there. And I, I don't know. That's why I love what I do right now so much is yeah. uh, being supportive of all women and all experiences and all religions. And mm-hmm. yeah, I just feel very blessed to have uh, experienced all the things. I love it. You know, hearing your story, Pamela, it really inspires me. And, you know, I kind of mentioned this a little bit offline that I had this crazy revelation when I turned 34 that I was like, oh my gosh, like my best years are still ahead of me. And, you know, here you are in your mid 40s, having lived so many different lifetimes and, and you have a big smile on your face and, and you're in this place where you're all about, you know, like advocating for women worldwide. And, you know, and you sharing your story as a military spouse today, you are you know, one of many spouses in our community who really have that courage to humanize the military family experience, like letting mm-hmm. our you know fellow civilians know that it's not just a service member that's going to war, it's the family. And the family may not physically be going, but mentally, emotionally, you know, they are. And I think it makes very much sense, you know, why, you know, and we'll get to your nonprofit later, you know, why you created Women Who Do Wonders International, because when I think about the military community, we're pretty diverse. You know, we have people from all walks of life, you know, foreign spouses, like my mom was a foreign spouse, like just all these different experiences. It's like, it only makes sense. I think it seemed like a natural organic progression for you to get to this. And so we'll, we'll touch a little bit on that later. But before we do, I think it's very interesting that having come from Canada and now being a military spouse and, you know, noticing the differences between the Canadian military and the American military. And I know that you didn't serve. I know your brother did. So I'm curious to know a little bit about what you have found to see the difference in the Canadian military versus the American military. Absolutely. Yeah. So I have a lot of friends who are spouses, Canadian military spouses, even living in Canada. Like you said, my brother serves, still serves. And, but I feel like well, one, bases are so spread apart. It's almost like, you know, maybe one, maybe two per province, that, you know, but mm. they're so spread apart. And the camaraderie is just different. You know, even when I talk to the spouses, Canadian spouses that I know today, a lot of them want to be involved in a lot of the groups here because mm. they don't really have that in Canada. Yeah, it's really sad. And so, yeah, I actually invite a lot of the Canadian spouses that I'm friends with from Canada to be a part of a lot of the things that I do virtually, or if there's anything that would be of benefit, I, I share them. I share them out and let them be. But it is, I don't know why they say we're very nice people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I find the camaraderie between the militaries a lot different. A lot different. Mm, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's like very interesting. Yeah. I wonder if the niceness that Canadians are known for is very much like the Southern hospitality that we experience, that Jenny Lynn and I experienced in Virginia, where it's kind of like on the surface, like everyone's nice, but maybe behind the scenes they're really not, or maybe it's just a facade. Although I got to tell you, Jenny Lynn, like I'm like constantly blown away by how nice people are to me out here compared to California. I've only had like one person who was like, who seemed like rude to me when I brought this up. And and they're like, wait a minute, like, what do you mean? Like Virginia is like nicer. Like, where's the nice people in Virginia? Like someone like literally like said that to me. I kid you not. This is like totally like a whole other conversation, but I need to finish it now that I brought it up. And I was like, okay, well, let me correct myself. You know, I think Virginia has 
I'm not saying that like not everyone in Virginia is like super nice. I'm just saying they're nicer than the people I've met in California. So that's what that's what I'm saying in defense to the Southern hospitality <laughs> that we experience here in Virginia. I know I totally went off topic, but I'm curious if you had any thoughts about that, Jenny Lynn. Interestingly enough, I was wondering the same thing. I was wondering if the nicety that we as Americans perceive of Canadians is the thing that actually keeps community at bay. Like Americans are traditionally known for being pretty brash. And I mean, we all have our like colloquial things like Southern hospitality, but like overall, when people think Americans, they think like pretty brash and outgoing and And another word that came to mind as Pamela was sharing her story was like, man, you came into this life with a lot of grit. Like, that's a lot of things you've already done before you entered into this life. And I just wonder if the community and camaraderie between military spouses here is because, one, we're all coming from these areas where, like, I mean, I was born and raised here in Virginia. So I come at any situation, no matter where I go, with that bent of Southern hospitality. Like, your kid's sick? I'll bring you a casserole. (laughs) You know, I mean, it's just, you know, and so they're because we're all like then mixed up in the country, like it makes it very, you get to bring all those pieces together and see kind of what forms the community. And it has been my experience that, you know, I mean, I have friends who were born and raised from all over and ever hospitality looks like to them to the table. And it creates a really tight. And I wonder if that's, you know, there isn't this like faux persona of everybody's just going to be nice. Like you just have to show up with what you've got. I don't know. Maybe it's the theory of one entire province in Canada could be one city here in the United States. So Mm. I feel like we're very spread out. Yeah. And I don't know. It's just always a small town feel. I would say maybe excluding Vancouver and Toronto, which are our biggest cities. Mm -hmm. But I think the closer you are to the cities, that's where, Mm -hmm. you know, people are just on top of each other. You know, Mm -hmm. it can get aggravating, you know? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, but out in the country, it's different, you know, we're, we're just more hospitable. I don't know. I just, that's my theory, but yeah. Well, I mean, the space does make a difference. I mean, Jen and I are both here in the Hampton Roads area and we have like one of every, at least one of every branch of service base here. Like, yeah, you know, so we're all here. We're all, you know, and then the community is already here too. And it it's largely here in Hampton Roads, largely military base. There's so many contractors and so many, you know, defense industry that like, there's a certain understanding of like, this is what we do where I can imagine in, you know, a huge province where, you know, one base is way up here and one base is way down here. You don't get that same kind of even outside the military community support, which inevitably does make it harder to have community and a sense of belonging. Agreed. Yeah. Either way, it it sounds to me what you're saying is that the American military culture is more community centric. But like for sure we're all discussing, maybe it has a lot to do with geography, you know, everyone being like spaced out. But either way, I think it's very interesting to share that perspective. Because I think for me, I sort of had this assumption. And, you know, maybe it's uh, Jenny Lynn's uh, just influence on me and like all the people we've interviewed on the show. But like, it's like, it just seems like everyone wants to help each other. And I kind of assumed like all spouses, like even around the world, I, I, I kind of imagine like, oh, maybe like spouses, like military spouses in other countries are like the same way. So Anyway, very interesting to just 
you know, kind of learn a little bit about the culture, you know, based mm-hmm. on your experience, your perspective. And it's always kind of nice to know about that and learn about like people who come from like different places. For- I'll tell you too, j- just to let you know, like when I moved to the United States, I moved in 2016. My husband was at JBMDL in New Jersey, Joint Base Dix Lewis McGuire. And so we were there and I feel so grateful that I landed in that base at that time, Mm. because I came to the United States not knowing a soul. Mm. And I had the best squadron that we were a part of. It was so welcoming. Everybody Mm -hmm. just, I made friends immediately. And I feel so grateful that I was there because that we've been to several other bases since. And yes, I've I've had great experiences in all of them, but nothing like New mm-hmm. Jersey. For some mm-hmm. reason, that squadron was phenomenal. When you talk about camaraderie, it was just so welcoming, always doing things for families. And I just feel grateful that at my first experience was at that base. And for spouses that you know may not have that experience, I'm sorry that that happens, but I don't know. But the best thing for me was I put myself out there mm-hmm. and I was lucky because I had amazing women um, and other spouses around me that embraced me. But yeah, it's when we moved to Washington after that is kind of when I got more involved in trying to do things. And that's when I started events for military spouses. But mm-hmm. if not for maybe landing in that experience, maybe mm-hmm. the trajectory would have been different. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, that experience I, blossomed me because I was like, oh, my God, this is a sisterhood. This yeah. Is yeah, no, I think you make a great point. It's fascinating because even though we'd been married a handful of years, most of those years were on shore duty and then in OCS and training. So like I wasn't really a part of the military spouse community, but the very first like operational tour my husband did, the CO and XO and their spouses and families set the tone for that command of we are here for each other. We are going to do things for each other. We're, you know, and all the things. And that for me has made the difference for the almost 15 years that I've been a spouse. And I have talked to so many people as I've moved around that have never had an experience like that and are so wary of a spouse group or making friends because they never had. And so it absolutely matters that like you were just welcomed and had that sense of community because then it's propelled you to do the same for other people. And I think it's one of those like you can't pour from an empty cup. And had you not had that welcoming experience, it would have been really hard to then move to, you know, JBLM and go, well, let me just do this for everybody else because you would have no basis for what it is everybody else was looking for and what they needed. And, you know, one of the other thoughts that came to me was, I wonder if we have a different sense of how to build community as American military spouses, because there's such an emphasis DOD wide on like volunteer service. I mean, everything we do for the most part as military spouses is a volunteer role. And it's like, if nobody's going to put into it, nobody's getting anything out of it. And so we, you know, we have this culture of, you know, volunteerism. True. That's a whole conversation in itself. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not making a judgment either way on that right now. I'm just suggesting that that might add to, you know, why American spouses, you know, have a bigger sense of community than, you know, some you've observed. True. 
but yes, volunteering. I that's one thing I picked up, at, like from the get go. I was like, everyone just volunteers their time. I was like, you know, how are these spouses going to get out there and you know contribute to their families if we have to volunteer for everything? But anyway, we could get on another whole other. You'll have thing to listen that. to our episode with Jen Barnhill. We talk about okay. that in depth. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love hearing that you had such a good first impression to being a military spouse. And, you know, fast forward to life today, it's interesting because your life's about to take a turn again. You know, Matt is retiring within a year. Tell us a little bit about like the stress (laughs) of transitioning. I know we talked a little bit about this like offline and where you see yourself as a family, you know, in post-military life. Yeah. So we've had a, the discussions are continuous because (laughs) I mean, it's 10 months out and Mm. I mean, we just purchased this house at the beginning of last year before we were stationed here in uh, Pensacola, Florida, which I love very much, by the way, it is hot, but it is beautiful. And okay. So now we're talking, do we stay here? Because now I'm now starting to plant my feet down Mm. as the entrepreneur you know, and, and mm-hmm. starting my magazine here locally, you know, starting to run events here locally. I just got uh, brought, on, brought on as a consultant for a law firm here in the region, actually, mm-hmm. to support with some of their veteran efforts. So in 10 months from now, after I've planted my feet and restarted all over again, mm-hmm. do we stay here another year? And he commutes for his next position, which he wants to fly then for the airlines, Mm. or do we move to a bigger city, which I miss because in a near a bigger city, I'll have more opportunity for the work that I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And he's open. The The great thing is Matt's open and he's been talking to me and saying, well, what do you think? Do you want to stay here and continue the efforts here in this area or do you want to go more, let's say, down south, you know, closer to Tampa or, you know, where all the conferences are and where all the opportunities are? And now that you're getting into some sports things, you know, there's more opportunities down south. So we're in that, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? Which is not a bad thing because we have an option, but it's scary. Oh yeah. My, it's scary. It's do I give up my beautiful home that we just, you know, put together? Do I, transition all over again. Cause now I started women who do wonders up in Washington state where, when we were at JBLM. And then last year, the beginning of the year, we moved to uh, San Antonio, Texas because he had six months of training. I didn't want to be away from him. So we sold, we left Washington state early and I went with him to San Antonio for his training. Mm-hmm. And then from there we moved to Pensacola, Florida, and we actually, it was supposed to be six months and ended up being seven months because my husband got COVID. Mm-hmm. So then we moved here to Pensacola, started all over again. So it was, I have started over <laughs> so many times in the last year and a half. I'm like, uh, do I want to do it again in 10 months? So yeah. we're both in the transition and it mm-hmm. is, I'm not going to lie. It is so stressful and so hard, but at the same time, I feel extremely blessed. I feel like, oh my goodness, we have the option. We're not tied down anywhere. My, my family's up in Canada. We are not going back to Canada. So we don't have to worry about going, <laughs> moving up to Canada. And, you know, his mom lives in Michigan, but she just moved there not long ago. He doesn't have real ties here because mm-hmm. he was born in Texas and grew up in Germany. Mm-hmm. He's got his own story of his own. Mm-hmm. But 
I don't know. We just honestly, in this moment, talking to you today, I still don't know what I'm going to do. But yeah. I feel blessed because I have the choice. Mm-hmm. And I'm blessed because Matt's allowing us to kind of have that discussion of, okay, he's willing to stay and commute if I want to stay here for more time. And he's willing to pack up and move down if that's the better choice because that'd be great for him. It'd be great for me. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's where we're at right now. So it's, uh, but yes, it is. I, I am in a stressful time. <laughs> yeah. Well, I hope that talking about it here sort of helps to just it, let it out, you know, just like oh, it's stressful right now, you know, like I get my blessings, like, but the blessings and the stress can coexist. Like both feelings <laughs> are allowed to coexist. And yeah, it's very, very exciting as well as very stressful. As you said, I have more thoughts about this, but before I do, let me go ahead and take a quick second to talk about our sponsor, U.S. Vet Wealth. I mentioned in a previous recording that Scott and I, Scott, my husband, and also founder and CEO of U.S. Vet Wealth, we are creating a portal for U.S. Vet Wealth for our fans, our clients, people that we work with. We're still building it out. And I always love to share things prematurely because it's fun. It's fun to bring people along the journey. And one of the things that we are really beginning to flesh out now is one of the departments we have in this online community, which is called the Military Retirement Blueprint. I'm going to go ahead and read this to you so you know what we are building out for our military retirees. So the Military Retirement Blueprint Department in the U.S. Vet Wealth Portal, in which you can learn more about at usvetwealth.com, that's usvetwealth.com, this blueprint is all about designing privatized military retiree wealth strategies to increase return on investments of time, talent, and treasure. The unconventional Military Retirement Blueprint is intended to help military retirees analyze, design, and qualify for alternative career and financial strategies. Our online portal, first and foremost, is free, is free, so that's cool. (laughs) Our online portal has curated courses, webinars, and education made for military retirees. The long-term goal of this department is to provide a well-rounded approach to your military retirement by studying the best options for you and your family in the government and the private sectors. Here's a sneak peek as to what free courses we'll be providing in this free portal in which you can get access to today free courses, and free webinars most requested by our military retirees. The Survivor Benefit Plan Decision, answering the question, what do I do with my thrift savings plan? Understanding the difference between traditional financial advisors versus robo-advising. How do you privatize your pension, which is a slogan we use here at U.S. Vet Wealth. We take pride in helping military retirees privatize their pension and much more. We also continue to add to our growing list of additional topics in which we include and are not limited to understanding health and medical, life insurance, qualification and the underwriting process, SGLI and VGLI, VA disability, and much more. Ultimately, at the end of this, we hope that our portal can help you make a well-informed decision about your military retirement. And all it takes is getting educated and seeing what's available to you. And we here at U.S. Vet Wealth have a passion and a drive and a determination to make sure that our military retirees are financially savvy for post-military life. Once again, you can learn more about this free portal and all the free resources that come with it by visiting our website, usvetwealth.com. That's U-S-V-E-T-W-E-A-L-T-H.com. And I just think that fundamentally, none of us can ever, ever get used to like change, you know, like, like no matter how many moves, deployments, or, you know, even just life changes, career changes, it's like just the anticipation of change, like, 
mm-hmm. no, like that, no one becomes a pro at that. I mean, I, I think you have, I think you get, you know, you have the tools and and you build the grit for it, but I think just the emotional roller coaster around it. So I just want to say I feel for you and we'll definitely be checking in on you in the upcoming months to see how, you know, you and Matt are doing. And I was just thinking about both the change and the uh, the holding both like, oh my gosh, this is a lot. And also the blessing of the season. I feel like <laughs> that is where the Stroop family has lived for the better part of probably six months to a year now. It's a both end of there is a lot of stress and worry and unknown. And there's also been an extraordinary amount of blessing. And the change, no matter how many times you do it, is never that easy. Like, I want to be like, we've moved so many times and I've gone and done so many things. I mean, it's funny. I was in a job interview the other day and the first question they asked me was, what is your greatest, what is your greatest career accomplishment? And I like half jokingly was like having one as a military spouse. Like, I mean, funny, not funny, but like literally the fact that I've been able to keep a job for two and a half years is an accomplishment because I've done it all. Like, except entrepreneurship, that's a little scary for me. That's a whole different topic. But just that like, I can look back at my life and go change, 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 change. And I'm still standing. And also like every time it comes around, I'm like, oh, again, really? <laughs> like, we have to do this again. <laughs> I think uh, having a partner too, that is extremely supportive makes a huge difference. Oh, I'm lucky that uh, Matt is very patient with all of my endeavors. <laughs> yeah, He's very loving, loving with all of my ideas because I chose to leave my career. When I came to the United States, I was a you know a, a medical esthetician. I've been mm-hmm. doing that since I was. I mean, I went to school for it when I was 19 years old. So I did that in England, living there before I went to the Middle East. Did that in the Middle East for the 10 years that I was there. Transitioned a little bit when I went back to Canada, but I was still in the field because I was mm-hmm. creating skincare products. Um, and then I just decided one day, I think I'm ready to hang up my lab coat, my little coat and my mm-hmm. esthetician coat, and I'm ready to move on to something different. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's entrepreneurship is uh, when you said, you know, you just said entrepreneurship. So that's a whole, whole conversation to um, <laughs> talk about that. And that can be very challenging, but it can be very rewarding. And for me, it has been very re- rewarding. But having somebody that's standing next to you, whether it's your career or your your entrepreneurship um, is so critical. And if not for Matt's, you know, unwavering support and, uh, you know, even despite the eye rolls and every time I tell him a new idea or whatever, you know, he's been extremely, extremely supportive. So for those spouses out there that maybe don't have that, lean on your friends. Yeah, because it's uh, it's a hard road. Entrepreneurship's a hard road and you need that support. So lean on to your military spouse friends that are on the same trajectory. Mm-hmm. But, you know, hopefully everybody does have that support. But we know that doesn't happen in every household. But mm-hmm. but lean on your friends. That's the best uh, advice I can give on that note. So, yes. And if you don't have any friends, now, you know, Pamela. Yes. <laughs> you know what? I always tell people my front door and my inbox are always open. Mm, oh, I love it. So, yeah, yeah. But to get back to the question about starting women who do wonders in 2018. Yeah, I launched that 
it actually started, it was called Wellness and Wisdom. And I had started that at uh, JBLM because I felt like there wasn't anything. They weren't doing any events. I was never invited to them anyway. <laughs> but I thought, man, like I need to create something that brings together not only spouses, because I invited the veteran women, the active duty women on base, mm. all of the spouses. And I didn't know anybody when I moved to Washington State, but I visited every single business I could. I created a sponsor deck, which I didn't know how to do. I just Googled, how do you make one? And I made <laughs> it. And then I just started knocking on doors. And then I went to the conference center and I talked to the people at the conference center. And I said, I've never held a conference. I've never done events before. Although I lived in the Middle East and when they have a dinner party, it is very extravagant. So I know how they do that. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, you know what? I'm going to run this like I would run a big dinner party. And that's exactly what I did. And (laughs) I had almost 200 women show up and I only knew two spouses there. Wow. Wow. But I hustled and I posted and I shared it and I went to squadron commanders and I asked them to please let their women go for the day. And I told them this is what I was doing. And I had businesses coming to share their resources. And it was going to be great opportunities. I was giving away tons of gifts. I wanted to be the Oprah of JBLM. (laughs) And I was giving away presents. And it was just, it was the most amazing day. And everyone just left happy. And that was it. We all ate. Everyone laughed. We had a great time. Mm. Everyone left with a smile. And I was like, I think I got something here. I love this. I love how all of these women just walked out of here happy as can be. They met tons of local businesses that they didn't know of beforehand. We had great speakers come in from Seattle. It was just perfect. And then the next year I decided to do it again. And I had almost 500 women. Oh my gosh. It was amazing. Amazing. And I took out the whole conference center. I had childcare downstairs and I had my friend who was a military police she had the ladies from her squadron come in and be the child care. <laughs> so awesome. yeah, yeah. I don't have event space experience, but I did it. And to be honest, I stood in front of everybody terrified. I was like, I don't know. I didn't even plan on what I was going to say. I just <laughs> stood up there and I spoke from my heart mm-hmm. and I had amazing speakers. I had a, an Olympian speaker. I gave away again, a ton of gifts and everybody left happy. And I was like, oh, this is, yes, this is exactly what I want to do. And then of course, the next year when I wanted to go even bigger and spread my wings even further to the extent I was reaching out to Ramstein to Mm. put these on and then COVID happened. So I was like, okay, Mm. great. So Mm -hmm. I ended up doing a virtual event And that was a success. And I reached out to a tech company, a virtual platform company, and asked them to sponsor me because I don't have the money to pay you all this money to run this virtual event. Mm -hmm. And I talked to the right person at the right time. And I had this, you felt like you were walking into the space. Like it was really cool, like virtual space anyway. So that was a success too, long story short. So big success on that. But it was after that. And I said, I don't want to lose the momentum. One, it became virtual. So I opened it up to not just spouses. I wanted women from around the world to be embraced in the same environment as our spouses and our active duty and our veterans. So that's that was a huge success. So right after that event is when I decided to launch the actual magazine. And then from there, it's now Women Who Do Wonders, the platform. So it's just evolving. 
It's just this big, rotating, evolving, amazing space and just blessed. But I'm yeah. creating it so it could go anywhere. I can make it into anything, anything and everything that I want it to be, it can be. So that's awesome. Yeah. yeah I have to really just commend you for your entrepreneurial spirit that kind of like, hey, let's see what happens kind of attitude. <laughs> That's and, exactly what it's been. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like I really relate to it because, you know, I've been self-employed for 12 years and it that's really been a lot of the attitude. It's like, let's see if this works or, you know, and I often say this to so many people, like my philosophy in life is build as you go and build things right, not fast. I mean, if you're, if you have the resources to build fast and that's great, but you know, you know, what, what was that phrase? It's like, you know, how do you make God laugh, tell him your plans kind of thing. And so it's kind of like, well, if I just focus on building as I go, then, you know, he can't mess it up. No, I'm just kidding. But um, <laughs> other than that, it's like, I just, I, I really admire that spirit. And even though you gave us a, you know, like an overview of these conferences, I mean, that's a huge deal. The first conference you had mm -hmm. 200 people, the mm -hmm. next conference you had nearly 500 people. And then after that, you had a virtual conference in which you had a sponsor for, you mm -hmm. know, and then now you, from my understanding, you have a membership platform and you got to tell me like, in addition to Matt, who is part of your support system? <laughs> because that is every, every year you continue to grow. I imagine that that opens other opportunities for other people to grow with you. It does. And I've the blessing is that every time I meet somebody, they introduce me to two more people. And that's what you want to do. That's how you're going to grow your network. Mm -hmm. And even when I did the virtual event, I was like, how am I going to make this a major success and have it global? So I just started, I was messaging just the back end. I was I, people I didn't know. I was just messaging, messaging, messaging. And out of 50 no's, you might get those two amazing yeses. And mm -hmm. I mean, I opened the conference with Camille Schreier, who is Miss America at that time. Open with her. I've had Liz Bohan and I had uh, become friends with uh, Amanda Beard, who's a, a seven-time Olympian. She lived down the street from me in <laughs> Gig Harbor in Washington. So had her. And then I had become friends with um, my good friend, Ashley Huffman, who is now working in the uh, sports and state department, she introduced me to Jen Welter. Jen Welter introduced me to another person. Jen Welter is the first female NFL coach. Then I had a Paralympian who was friends with another person that I knew. And before I knew it, I had this massive speaker lineup and I didn't have to, I didn't pay anybody. They all came on because they wanted to be there. They believed in what I was trying to do and just empower women around the world. And after that, now I have these awesome connections. I've made friends mm -hmm. with all these amazing people. Then that person introduced me to two more people. That person introduced, and it's just been spiraling like that. And every time I interview somebody, it's because I've met them through somebody else. And then, so last year, I'll tell you, after I launched Women Who Do Wonders and then launched the foundation, I thought, how am I really going to take this to the next level? I need to get out there in front of big people. So how am I going to get out there in front of big people? Well, I knew somebody that knew somebody and I managed to become a part of an event in Los Angeles. I was able to go to some of the pre-Oscars and the pre-Emmys events. So I put myself in front of producers and actors and all of these amazing people. And that's how I started sharing the magazine, sharing the foundation. Mm. And since then, I've been able to spotlight a lot of the people I met there. They introduced me to other people and it's been just spiraling like that. So you just got to put yourself out there. 
I didn't know anybody when I moved here in 2016. <laughs> Not a soul. So, and I'm a military spouse, just like you. So if I can do it, anybody can do it. You know, one thing I also want to mention is that in going international, you're able to amplify the military spouse story, you know, like you're able to have so many different people learn about mm -hmm. the military family, military spouse experience as well. And I just love that. I mean, do you have a mantra, Pamela? Like, is there like, you know, for me, my mantra is so far so good. <laughs> like, that's my mantra. It's not like, <laughs> I, like I just do stuff and I'm like, I look around, I'm like, okay, so far so good. That's my mantra. Do you have a mantra? <laughs> no, I, I don't have an actual mantra, but somebody asked me the other day, what is your word for the year? Mm. And the best word that I could come up with was determined. Mm. I am always determined. And I always want to, actually, I could say my mantra kind of is, I want to be better tomorrow than I was today. And I always do yeah. that. And that's what I live by. So, and we didn't really talk about my foundation, which I hope I can just mention a little bit, but my foundation is sort of that sister to women who do wonders. And that's called Mission Wonder Woman. Mm -hmm. And I use that platform to also uplift women who are really going through very hard times. So I go in and I speak with survivors of human trafficking, sex trafficking in particular. And I've been really lucky because I can give that I've been able to give them, uh, I create wellness boxes. So I fill them with all kinds of great stuff um, for them. Skin, of course, I talk to them about their skin. It's important and wellness and just total well-being. But then I also give them other things and then speak to them about just total well-being, mental health, their bodies, just from my own experiences too. And sometimes I know I say sometimes, but the last talk that I did, I actually had really great feedback. They just loved the rawness. They mm. loved that my story was not like theirs, but there were still a lot of struggles. And so they could relate and they left empowered because they mm. felt like they could achieve something bigger than they did before they walked into that room that this, that morning. So anyway, so I just, I feel blessed that I can hopefully inspire one other spouse in this podcast, but I also I'm very blessed because I can inspire these other ladies too in yeah. their trauma. And yeah, so I just, you know, we all have a purpose. And I didn't know a couple of years ago, this was what it was, but I'm running with it because it makes me feel really good. I just love your love for women. So <laughs> that's, that's my comment. Jenny Lynn, any thoughts? Oh, same. Yeah. It, well, it, it's funny that the Pamela touched on like, well, I just got here because I knew someone who introduced me to two people. I mean, Pamela and I met because of AFI MSOI and one of our former guests, Mandolin McVeigh, because they were stationed at JBLM together. And she's mm. like, oh my gosh, Jalen, you have to meet Pamela. Like, and so, you know, it just, I'm constantly amazed at the wealth community brings our way. Yeah. Oh, I agree. I agree. We have, honestly, I think the most heart-centered, and I don't know what it is, maybe it's the military life that we're living in too, it opens your heart. Mm -hmm. One, we're relatable because I know my story is not the same as yours and yours, but, and whoever's listening, but we know that we're living similar mm -hmm. lives in mm -hmm. some capacity. We have a relation in some way, because I meet people all the time. I'll be out at an event and somebody will say, oh, I'm a military spouse. And then automatically I feel like, oh, I have a sister here. 
You know, mm-hmm. I don't know who she mm-hmm. is. Never met her in my life. I don't know what branch she is, but she's a military spouse. So I'm going to go mm-hmm. stand next to her. You know, it's just this amazing sisterhood. I love it. Yeah. I just, I have like positive feelings and warm feelings and loving <laughs> feelings all around. <laughs> Pamela, as we come to a close here, I know you have some exciting things coming your way. So give us a little hint to the things you want to tease to us right now. Yeah, I had a couple of exciting things and it's always amazing to share our wins. Never feel afraid to share those because it one, it could push somebody else that's listening to just strive to to go for the big things, right? Mm-hmm. So a couple of things, super excited. And this came about because I knew somebody that knew somebody. And I asked the question. I sent, I actually picked up the phone and called somebody and that happens still. (laughs) Called her and said, I would love to meet and interview Marielle Hemingway. And guess what? Two weeks ago, I was in a studio here in Florida and I interviewed Marielle Hemingway about mental health. Because if you know, don't know her story, she's been through a lot of suicides in her family. It's mental health is what she talks about every day. So that happened. That was actually wow. absolutely extraordinary. So that interview is coming out and she's actually going to be the first woman that I've ever had on the cover of my magazine. So I've never actually featured anybody because I always felt like there was no woman, you know, that should be better than anybody else in the magazine to be on the cover. But I made the decision to to start actually spotlighting somebody on the cover that's doing things for the greater good in the world. So that that's going to mm-hmm. happen. So that happened. And then wow. actually, I have uh, a collaborative book that's coming out. So I've been wanting to do this for a long time. Um, I was actually a part of a collaborative book last year. And then I finally said, you know what, I'm just going to do it. I share women's stories all the time in the magazine. I'm going to share this in a solid book. So that's going to launch soon. The actual having all of these ladies come on board. So that's coming out. It's she does it. It's, it's going to be incredible. So that happened. And then I guess the next big thing, and this is going to be out on a press release soon, but I have a tech company out of New York who has come on as one of my, an investor with Women Who Do Wonders. And that tech is not what I do well. I will say, (laughs) if someone said, what do you not do well, Pam? Tech. Tech is Mm. not what I don't do well. I learn. I'm a very fast learner, but I'm not good at doing the big things. So they've come on board to actually build up the platform. And what I really want to do with it, because I sat back one day and I was like, okay, how can I really tell the stories of women? How can I make these women really be Wonder Women? Mm -hmm. It's Mm. visibility. Mm -hmm. If I didn't have the visibility and if someone didn't give me the hand, give me their hand and say, let me help you. I'm going to get mm-hmm. help you get visible. I wouldn't have reached where I needed to be. So mm-hmm. I am hoping that women who do wonders will be that hand and we're going to help these women become more visible. So this tech company is going to help me do that. So I'm really excited about that. So that's where I'm at today. This sounds like a morbid comment, but just know it's a compliment when I say this. I think there's going to be a lot of people that are going to show up for your funeral one day. <laughs> All the women that you, you, you know how they say like, you know, how, you, you, if you want to know what you want to do in life, just kind of envision like, you know, who would show up at your funeral? What would people say about you? And, and just all the women you've been able to impact, even in just the last handful of years alone, I'm just incredibly impressed. And obviously you love doing it. And I know that it it's very fulfilling for you. And 
I just commend you and I just appreciate you. Keep on keeping on, you know? Well, thank you. And that isn't really, it's not morbid thing to say. It's actually, that's speaking how you want your legacy to be mm, yeah. put out there. And you, every mm-hmm. we should all be thinking of that every day. We'll wake up and say, you know, what do I want my legacy to be? What do I want people to to say about me and, and my kids and, you know, whoever it is that you want, you know, out there to see you in, in a way that's positive. No one wants to be looked on negative. Yeah. But I get up every day and really I, I try to make an impact, at least in somebody's life every day. And maybe today it's this podcast. So, well, yeah. you made an impact in my life, Pamela. So oh, I well, thought you should know you. that. <laughs> <laughs> just hearing your story. And I'm glad. I'm glad I did. Yeah. Anyone that is more seasoned in life than I am who's just still killing it, you know, <laughs> it's amazing. I'm, and I'm not done. Oh, I want yeah. to tell everybody too. This is, I feel like I'm just at the beginning and yeah. it's like the fire is just, it's a small flame right now. And there's yeah. a big flame that's going to come. And I, I don't know what that is because we're talking about going day by day. And maybe my trajectory will change a little bit in the next few months mm-hmm. coming on mm-hmm. with this new company. And who knows, it may take yeah. a whole U-turn and go in a completely different direction. And at this point in my life, I'm okay with that. It, if that's yeah. the way it's supposed to go, then that's the mm-hmm. way it's supposed to go. Just don't stress it. I have other things to stress <laughs> about like PCS. Like, so, <laughs> yeah. And then throw transition on top of that. It's yeah. your life is going to be completely different. I would even say like a year from now. So we'll be in touch. <laughs> <laughs> Pamela, I feel like we covered so much about your life and the living legacy that you're actively building right now. And I just want to make sure that you've had an opportunity to you've had an opportunity to share everything you wanted to share on the show. So are there any final parting thoughts you want to share with our listeners? Uh, I mean, I touched on a lot. I think I just want to tell every it could be women and men listening that you're capable of so much. Mm. And when I say that, I say that in every aspect because mm-hmm. we didn't even talk about the athlete side of things i became a, a whole athlete again because i was an athlete as a teenager athlete again at the age of 40 41 mm, love it you can do anything you put your mind to and i know that people say that all the time and it's a you know we hear it all the time but i'm telling you i lived a long time in while well, living in the middle east in a bubble and thinking, mm-hmm. this is my life. I'm not, mm. you know, I'm not, I wasn't doing anything about, you know, I didn't go to the beach. I didn't do all, a lot of the things 20 year olds did at that time. This was my life. This is, and then when I got out of it, I started discovering, oh my goodness, I could do anything. And I, every year, it's like I keep learning that I'm capable of doing so much more than what I thought I was the year before. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I just, I cr- try to tell people all the time, you are capable of anything. You just, if you don't know how to do it, ask, don't be Mm -hmm. afraid to ask. It's so important because I have asked for help. I can't even tell you on how many occasions I'll send that email out and say, I have no idea how to do this. Do you think you can give me a few minutes of your time and I can ask you some advice? And that advice has helped me tremendously. So anyway, that's my advice. Don't be afraid to ask, know that you're capable of anything and just write that cold email, write that LinkedIn back message. If you don't get a response, write another one. It'll happen. So. Yeah. 
Yeah. I love it. I love the grit. I love the tenacity. I love the, you know, 50 no's to get two yeses kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I just love all of it. I'm here for all of it. Oh, I just so appreciate you coming on today to share your story and remind all of us of the capability we hold within ourselves and the impact of story. Like you reminded mm-hmm. me once again of like the reason that I write and do this podcast is because I'm constantly amazed at when I come at something from the angle of the life that I have led, there's actually a universal truth in there. And so thanks for that reminder today. I think you do that so well for women everywhere. Thank you. Thank you so much. That really touched me. Thank you so much. Virtual hugs all around. (laughs) Pamela, let us know if people want to get a hold of you. How can they do that? Well, my inbox is always open. Like I said, my front door is open. So you can inbox me on any of the social media platforms in Instagram. I think it's Pamela underscore Bellotto. My email is Pamela at womenwhodowonders.com. And you can go to womenwhodowonders.org on the website and see some of the things we're doing, although it may have some big changes coming up soon. So if it starts looking funny, it's because we're doing some work. We're doing major renovations. So um, <laughs> yeah, anybody can reach out to me by email, backend. I'm always checking my inboxes. So LinkedIn, I'm always on LinkedIn as well. So if you backend me on uh, LinkedIn, I'll definitely get back to you. Yeah. And also what I noticed on your website, womenwhodowonders.org forward slash founders, you're on Clubhouse as well. And, you know, I think when Clubhouse like came out, I was like, like another social media platform. So I'm curious, like, do you do you use it? Like, do you actively use Clubhouse? So last year I was on it quite a bit. That's actually how I met Molly. Wow. That's how I met Marcus. That's how I met Marcus. Marcus, where I went to the concert the other day, we were talking about that before the the show started. Wild. So we actually met in Molly's room and then we discovered that we're both in the same city. So we went out for lunch and then just realized that we're just awesome friends. And um, Molly has been an incredible support system as well. She's been awesome. Just it's introduced me to so many amazing friends um, I haven't been as active on it in the last uh, few months, but I pop in every once in a while. But you can just put yourself out there, whether it's Clubhouse, whether it's LinkedIn, yeah. Twitter, they have all the rooms in there and Twitter. I don't know how active they are now with the tr- Twitter audio, but my God, I've met so many people. Yeah. And you just got to <laughs> put amazing. yourself out there. You have to put yourself out there and whether it's audio, wherever, in an in-person event somewhere. If you don't put yourself out there, you're never going anywhere. So put yourself out there. That reminds me of the phrase, if you don't ask, the answer is always no. Yeah. And I just love it. I just love every, I I love this entire conversation. I didn't mean to like one up you with a quote. So feel free to. (laughs) You just said that too, but I want to say another thing about the no thing. Yes. When I do those cold calls or I'll ask somebody for a Zoom. And this is, and I just actually, I got a response from somebody in Dubai that I've been wanting to reach out to that does huge things in Dubai. I sent them a message this morning. They actually just got back to me on this interview and said, absolutely, let's get on a Zoom call and have our chat. So every time I get on those conversations, I start it with, I'm just going to simply ask and it's either a yes or a no. And I've learned in my time, if I don't mm-hmm. ask, it's it's a yes or a no. And, and I'm, a, I'm not afraid to get the no, but maybe mm-hmm. you'll say yes. And that's yeah. how I start the conversation. And typically it will end up being, 
Pamela, I'm going to help you. I don't typically get the no. Um, but if you start it that way and just say, look, I'm not oblivious to how life works. I'm going to straight up ask you for help. And it's either a yes or a no. And that's it. Just be straight up. Thank you for saying that in the recording. I'm going to take note of that later. <laughs> <laughs> that is some good verbiage. Pamela, that's amazing. <laughs> amazing. If you talk at somebody like that and you're being upfront right from the beginning. So mm -hmm. they're going to, you know what I mean? So you're not having a 30 minute conversation and then at the end say, oh, I want to ask you for something at the yeah. end of the, no, you say it right from the beginning. It's such a pleasure to meet you. I've been wanting to ask you something and I'm, and I know in this lifetime, if you don't ask, things aren't going to happen. So it's either a yes or a no. And then you start off with the question and then you get into your conversation. You get the scary thing out of the way from the beginning and then you just go for it. We just got a very, very wonderful sales lesson <laughs> today from Pamela. Say I'm hard thing sales, and be done. Yes. Thank you. I will mail you your check. <laughs> so donate to your nonprofit. It's but amazing. People appreciate that too. They appreciate Absolutely. it. Yeah. I mean, sales aside, like, and I'm only, I'm the only one referring to it as sales, but like, yeah, sales aside, it's like the transparency, how genuine you are in yeah. asking. Um, of course, people are being like, yeah, you know, of course I'm open to listening. Of course I'm open to it, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that there's something about like the pandemic really like shook up everyone. And I mm -hmm. think in my opinion, and I think it's made a lot of us more open-minded to like giving people a chance and saying yes and, and all that stuff. So Pamela, it's been such a pleasure having you on our show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for letting us go over an hour. I, I know that we kind of went over time here. Not that like we had like a hard stop, but still, I just always appreciate people's time and generosity to share their story, especially yours. All right. Well, to our listeners, if you want to get a hold of Pamela, we will have all of her contact information in the show notes. It's been such a pleasure having you today, Pamela. Thank you again so much for joining us. And uh, to our listeners, we hope you enjoyed our conversation. And well, with that said, we will chat with you in the next episode. Tune in next time. Hey, thanks again for joining us at Holding Down the Fort by U.S. Vet Wealth. Once again, I am your co-host, Jen Amos. And I'm Jenny Lynn Stroop. Thank you so much for listening to our show. If you've gotten a lot out of our conversation today, be sure to leave us a five-star rating review on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. Or you can leave us a kind LinkedIn recommendation on our LinkedIn profiles. Learn more about Holding Down the Fort by visiting holdingdownthefortpodcast.com. And there you'll also be able to find us on social media and how to contact us directly. Thank you all so much for joining us. Until next time. Bye.